Hello and welcome to I Heard It On A Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West. My name is Isaiah. And my name is Riley. Thanks for joining us today. It's uh, not quite the new year, but it's not close. Quite. It and, is. And we're going to reflect this this week, today, on the past year and the coming year and maybe the coming years. Yeah. on our future. But right now I want to reflect on your past, Isaiah. Okay. <laughs> Specifically the past that involves an eight-pound prime rib. Yes. Well, as you might have noticed, last week was Christmas. Maybe you noticed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Not many people did. I noticed. But, um, and as you also might have noticed, we had a pandemic this year. And so it was kind of frowned upon to do large Christmas gatherings. Um, and so Emily and I had our Christmas gathering with just the two of us on the evening during Christmas. And mm-hmm. um, uh, most of the work Christmas parties, like her work Christmas party and my work Christmas party, were both canceled. And so um, we both kind of got a little something from work to kind of make up for that. And my little something was a gift card, but her little something was an eight pound prime rib (laughs) and a bottle of wine. And um, it's great. Like prime rib is amazing, but Mm -hmm. they meant this for like a family Christmas party, which we weren't having. Right. But we still wanted to have it. So we cooked up the prime rib, um, you know, put in the out oven for like four hours and let it you know cook and get nice and roasty and um they said it should cook down and be less heavy i don't think this one did it was still you know pretty close to eight pounds when we brought it out wow um and so then we you know started carving it and it basically ended up being like six or seven huge like steak size slabs of prime rib wow and so we both ate like one of the end pieces because it was the bits that were like all, you know, seasoned and roasty and crunchy yeah. and like meat candy. Yeah. And they were, I mean, probably maybe half an inch thick. So okay. like me- medium sized slabs of prime rib. And so we had this with like green beans and rice and um, i trying to think what else we had. That's pretty much it. Green beans, rice and prime rib. And what else do you need? Yeah, that's, and wine and wine, and that's pretty much it. But I finished my one like slab of prime rib, and I went back in and got like a quarter of another slab, and then I was like stuffed, like I was so <laughs> full. And Emily ate like her one slab, and then rice, and then she was pretty much full too, which left us then with you know still another seven pounds yeah. of prime rib slabs. So I was gonna ask. And so now, like for lunch today, I had leftover prime rib, and there's still, you know, six packages of prime rib in the fridge, just like yeah. waiting. But it's weird because you know, prime rib is something. It's like kind of the like it's a gourmet meat, right? It's kind yeah. of like the pinnacle of meat. It's just it's the best you can get, and yep. so you want to cook it like really well. You want it to be cooked medium rare. You want it to be seasoned well and all that stuff, but then you have to refrigerate it and reheat it somehow. And so the the day that you eat it, when it's freshly cooked, it's like buttery and it melts in your mouth and mm-hmm. it's medium rare and it's just so delicious. And then you microwave it for six minutes the next day and it becomes, it it's still okay, but it's not the same yeah. level of caliber. So I felt a little bit, um, I don't know what the right word is. I was I felt spoiled, but also wasteful. Like cooking this huge prime rib, eating one slice of it, and then just putting it in the fridge. But on the bright side, we now have lunch for like three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) My opinion with cuts of meat like that that are really good Uh 
is they should only be cooked once. So although I don't really like eating cold food, uh-huh. like I'm not a cold pizza kind of guy, um, with f- cuts of meat like that, uh-huh. you cook them once, you cook them the right way, you cook them to the right doneness, and then you eat them cold hmm. the rest of the time. So you would eat... I would eat your prime rib okay. cold in a cold sandwich or something. We might have to try this afterwards because it's like a one inch thick slab. Each slab is like an inch thick. Yeah. And it's like on the rare side of medium rare. So there's like <laughs> blood coming out of it still. And yeah, I don't I don't I'm, know if you'd enjoy it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I might do like a real quick pan fry, like a sear it right. on both sides kind yeah. of thing. But I definitely wouldn't like c- completely cook it again. Right. Yeah. I would just try to warm it up a little bit if it needed, like if it was on the rare side. Right. But I personally don't think that meats like that should be cooked twice. Which makes sense because it definitely doesn't taste as good. But right. the, nice, the nice thing with this is it's a really nice piece of meat. So yeah. it holds up better than some other things. Like I've reheated steaks before yeah, and it's just not, it's like eating a chicken breast made out of beef. It's just like yeah, not good. It gets real chewy. Yeah, real chewy, real dry. But So did everyone from her work get eight pounds of prime I rib? I think so. Wow. Yeah, and it was like they gave gift baskets. So it was like a prime rib, a bottle of wine, um, a $50 Walmart gift card to buy sides, and then like a board game. So it was like a party wow. in a box, basically. So it was very generous of That's them. That's a nice They're gift. pretty generous in, yeah. at Christmas time. So it was enjoyable. But That's pretty good. Yeah. So I love Prime Rib. I've developed the taste for it now, which is going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was listening to another podcast the other day talking about why we eat turkey at, at uh, meals. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do turkey at, at Christmas time, too. Yeah. And um, this podcast was arguing that we should replace turkey with prime rib since it's uh, equally as decadent meat, yes. but it's a little more forgiving. It's easier to cook. It is very easy to cook. And it's arguably more delicious. Like it, It's typically more flavorful uh-huh. and juicier, and it's just cooking one piece rather than if you cook a whole turkey. Uh-huh. You have to cook the white meat to one temperature and the dark yep. meat to a different temperature, and you don't necessarily have to baste it or brine it or do all these other things. Yeah, because when you're cooking like a turkey for Thanksgiving, you have to start like four days in advance to defrost to it. Usually, defrost it and baste it and kind of yeah. start marinating it and stuff like that. And then you have to have a huge roasting pan. You have mm-hmm. to have a big oven. You're so cooking a prime it. rib yeah. would be more approachable for the mm-hmm. average home cook. Yes, which is the point that this other podcast was making. And I think. Man, it's hard to say because for Thanksgiving, I don't think I would ever get rid of the turkey. Yeah, it's, it's just hard kind to of do. classic. Yeah. For Christmas, I've never, like my family, at least that I'm aware of, has never had like a traditional meat necessarily. We do a honey-baked ham usually. You do a ham. Okay, yeah. we've done ham too, but it's never been like a like necessity. Like you need the ham. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people kind of go to the turkey or goose section. Some people do a roast. Some people, yeah. it's just like... Thanksgiving is turkey, but Christmas has a lot of options. But there's usually like a main... A main meat. A main fancy meat. Yes, yes. And I would say, yeah, prime rib is great. I think having a mix of both, like if you could... Mm. If you're having a big gathering and someone brings a turkey and then you cook a prime rib or something like that. Yeah. Because one of my... people options. Yeah, one of my favorite part of holidays isn't necessarily like the specific food but it's how many different foods you have like mm-hmm. thanksgiving for example i don't necessarily love any one thanksgiving food so much but it's the fact that i can have like 
10 different dishes on my plate yeah. and just like go back and forth eating them while I like eat my meal. And there's just something about like the broad variety that I love. And that's yeah. just such a splurgy thing to me. Yeah. So why not both? Why not a turkey and a prime rib? That's that's what I say. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully we can do that next year. We'll see. Yeah. We need to start saving now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of Christmas, apparently the queen, the queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate. Um Anyway, she always does this Christmas address, I think it's on Christmas Day, to her subjects and probably the rest of the world cares too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this year, she did her regular address and then directly afterwards, I think a a separate channel, did uh, a deep fake version of the Queen's address. Mm -hmm. And so it looked pretty similar. I just watched the video of it. And... It was the queen look, talking about uh, the dangers of misinformation and how we need to trust certain <laughs> media sources. And for the most part, it looked really realistic. It was like her at her desk with a Christmas tree behind her, which is the right. same as what same the real uh, queen's address looked like. And then at the very end, they purposefully added some glitchy stuff and the the green screen like faded away behind her. And then the actual actress that was standing in for the deep fake uh like the the cover or whatever the the face uh-huh. the deep fake went away and you could see the actual actress and see that it was a deep fake and a and a a fake video yeah for the for the people that don't understand i would guess that still the majority of people don't really understand what a deep fake is yeah so for those people can you under- explain what it is, not sure. that I'm one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a deep fake is basically where you replace an actor's face or some person's face with the face of someone you want to pretend to be in the video. So, for example, in this case, they have an actress coming in to play the queen and they shoot the video with the actress and then in post they'll go through and replace her face with the face of the queen. And you can also replace voices or uh, modify voices or even synthesize voices and basically, it's a way to make a fake video of someone doing something that they haven't done or impersonating them or something like that. Um, and it really kind of started to become a big thing probably like two years ago, mm-hmm. where it's kind of becoming more mainstream and more accessible. And this isn't something that's necessarily super complicated. It's You can do it with you know a computer that costs maybe 800 bucks and there are apps a week. There do it. Yeah, easy, for free apps. Um and all that you really require is, you know, a high quality, a bunch of high quality images or high quality videos of the person you want to imitate. Which most famous people have. Totally. And then just a lot of time on your part. And so basically the way it works is you you pick someone who hopefully looks kind of similar to the person you want to impersonate and you would film them doing whatever. And then you would take those images, import them into the app and it would kind of look at each frame of the video and kind of map features on their face, like their cheekbones, their eyes, their nose, their mouth, how their face is moving, stuff like that, and save those into data points and kind of build a mesh model of their face. And then you would take either still images or videos of the person you're imitating, do the same thing, pull them into the program, and it will map their eyes, nose, mouth, cheekbones, all that stuff, build another mesh, and then it'll 
algorithmically through a machine learning process figure out how to best put the mesh of the person who's going to be impersonated onto the actor's face. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes through frame by frame and overlays it. And so some of them look very cheap and yeah. weren't well-trained algorithms or didn't have enough data. But then some of them, like this video of the queen or some other ones that I've seen, are like passable and sometimes you can't even tell the difference. Yeah. Um, for the most part, like any of these ones that are done professionally, they're basically the same. And then you can either use... A recording of that person or you can try to modulate the actor's voice into sounding like that person or there's actually software now that uses machine learning to synthesize yeah your voice that's the, that's scary stuff yeah and i saw a video on youtube from linus tech tips i don't know if you've seen his channel at all no. but he basically just does you know computer review stuff and kind of technology reviews and news and stuff like that um and they did a video um that was a review of a keyboard and it's called Robot Linus Reviews a Keyboard. And they basically just completely deep faked this guy Linus because he was talking about in the beginning of the video, like, well, this brand is kind of built around me. What happens if I die? We wanted to figure out like a way to see hmm. if we could keep this channel going if I were to die or something. And so they had one of their staff pretend to be him. So he kind of like watched videos of Linus and learned kind of his facial expressions, his hand movements, just kind of his body language in general. And he practices that. And then they film a video of him reviewing this keyboard with, you know, hand motions and a top-down camera and a face camera and all that stuff. And then they hired a company who has this machine learning algorithm to synthesize his voice. And so he had to, you know, give consent for them to basically fake his voice. Um, And they went through a couple of cycles because it would come back glitchy. And so they'd have tweaks and they'd make tweaks. They eventually came back with the voice recording and then they just deep faked it on top. And this is, it's like a 10 minute video or something like that. Um, it's, it's got a little bit of that kind of uncanny valley isk yeah. thing. Like it looks a little bit off, but for being like, he had no involvement with this at all. There's no, like he didn't give any of his body movement. He didn't give his face. He didn't give his voice. It was all synthesized from other places. Mm-hmm. So technically anyone could do this anyway like you could use this maliciously really easily yeah and it took them i mean it it was pretty easy all said and done like they had a little bit of work to put into it but it's a passable video and with creative editing or creative lighting or whatever you could make it easily believable to be a real thing and it's crazy that this can happen you know anyone can have this happen to them Mm -hmm. by anyone super easily nowadays yeah there just needs to be a decent amount of source material basically and i think you're right the the main downfall of it or shortcoming is right now the the inability of the machine learning or the ai or the algorithm or whatever you want to call it whatever is happened to be used uh i saw one uh, maybe a couple of years ago where they didn't use a uh, an algorithm to to replace the uh, the speech, right? But they just I think it was Jordan Peele did the voice of Obama because uh-huh. he does a pretty good Obama right. impersonation, and they because there are so many images of Obama, uh-huh. they just picked every single angle of every like picture that has right. ever been taken of him, and were able to put together a pretty good um, uh, video. It, it was just him like in front of a podium mm-hmm. wearing a suit, something that he's done a thousand times and then 
Jordan Peele voiced him saying something ridiculous, not embarrassing or malicious, but it's something yeah. that he wouldn't say totally in in public. And I th- I forget if it was on purpose, like in cooperation with Obama right. to to prove a point, or if it was just like a SNL skit or something. Right. Um, but it was pretty convincing, yeah. and especially when you get a voice actor to actually do the voice of whoever it is. Um, and with uh, a source material as wide as pictures of the president yeah. or the queen or uh-huh. whoever, I think I believe that you can make a pretty believable mm-hmm. one. And the the machine learning and the the nature of AI is that it only gets better. Right. It it collects information from the world and what it's given, and it teaches itself. Right. So it's only going to get better and more adept and more believable. Right. Yeah. It's crazy and. As far as I know, this hasn't been successfully used in like a majorly malicious way yet. For now, it's just kind of been you not know, on a wide scale, right? Not for something like when I say major, I mean like the president talking to everybody, convincing him to do something, or like starting a war, you know, something like that. There have been minor things, but as of now, it's kind of just been for you know pranks and jokes and to. Well, I mean, there's there are this bad stuff, right? Worse than pranks and jokes, right? But nothing so catastrophic as like starting a, a war or like causing a country to invade another country or something like that, you know? No, um, not, not yet it, that I know of. It, it's probably going to go that way, you know, because yeah. eventually something this powerful will be used, you know, severely maliciously. So, I'm, I mean, I know broadly that you can do some sort of analytics on a photo to tell if it's been tampered with or edited or whatever. Right. I assume you can do the same thing with a video and you would be able to tell if a video has been altered via um deep faking or whatever. Right? You might you would be able to tell if a video was altered, but if it was created, you not it would be a lot harder to tell. Mm. Um so if it's com- completely created from scratch like a deep fake would be. Yeah, it's and it depends on how, you know, technologically creative the people who create it are because a lot of videos, basically most videos that people post have metadata embedded. And metadata is just information about the video that's kind mm-hmm. of embedded in the video and that's visible um, after the fact from wherever you're viewing it. Um, and so for example, like on a on a film camera, like a digital camera or a, a stills camera, the serial number of the camera is embedded into the metadata. And so if someone steals your camera, you can search the internet for pictures that were taken with that serial number of your camera. Mm. And if any have been taken and posted, it'll find them. And that way you can kind of like track your camera down. And there's a lot of information that's stored in metadata, you know, like the the settings of cameras or the date and time and the location that it was taken. Um, It stores just a ton of information. And so you would theoretically be able to look at the metadata of a video and kind of figure out, is this legit or not? But it's also easy enough to, you know, overwrite metadata or scrub it, erase it completely, or kind of fake it. So if it was someone who was just messing around or someone who didn't have a great understanding of the technology, then it would be very easy to figure out if it's fake. But if it's someone who's actually, you know, legitimately trying to pull off something here, they would probably be able to scrub that. And so then at that point, you're 
either going to be using some sort of machine learning algorithm that can look at the video and figure out what's wrong lighting wise and what's wrong mm -hmm. you know facial movement wise and audio wise and kind of trying to figure out if it's synthesized or not um but there's not really at this point a good way for the general person to figure out if a video is fake or not the only way i can wow. see to like work around this is if people started using um checksums which is basically just a way of verifying that this data comes from the source that it's saying it's coming from and this has been used for a long time in stuff like software downloads where if you download um a piece of software like a program or something on your computer um and you want to make sure that it's not going to run maliciously and kind of do harm to your system they'll give you a checksum which is just a long hex code and you can run that through like a de-encryption algorithm and it should match what their public encryption says on their website. Hmm. And if it doesn't match, you know, it's been tampered with and it's, you know, from someone else or it's fake or whatever. And so they could start doing checksums on videos like, hey, if this de-encrypted code that you de-encrypt locally doesn't match the public one that the website's given you, you know, this video has been tampered with or, you know, it's not coming from the official source. Um, and so that's an option, but that's just really... That sounds really inconvenient and yeah. most people wouldn't know how to do that no and so we're kind of at the point now where like the video said you really can't trust anything you see online no. like you have to understand that anyone can edit any information and tell it to you and make it seem like it's coming from anyone right the thing with the queen was coming from it said channel four news or whatever yeah. so it was coming from a endorsed news station like i don't know we have nine news right. here. Yeah. Um, but who checks their sources? Right. Or how how in depth do news stations go to make sure? Like, would they go and reverse the de-encrypted hex key or whatever right. you said? Yeah. And make sure that every one of their uh, sources is completely legit. I mean, right. You could probably spend weeks making sure that every one of your sources is very secure and came from exactly right. where you said it came from but you would never get anything out in a timely manner totally. so you just kind of have to at some point trust that what's happening is what what is said is happening is actually what it is right and i feel like we kind of went through this stage with the internet before like when the internet was more text based and less video and image based i mean anyone could write anything and say that they're somebody mm -hmm. and so we kind of learned for a while to not take everything that was written as, you know, gospel basically, because someone could, you know, sign their signature and say, I'm Boris Johnson or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And then we've kind of relapsed a little bit with images and videos because we just kind of see them and we assume it's true. But now we're needing to go back to the stage of like, well, this video could be fake, just like someone could write a fake email and yeah. you know pretend to be someone else mm -hmm. and so we're kind of in that stage again where we have to not just trust anything because we see it automatically that's a very good point good analogy thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay that's enough i'm getting a little stressed out <laughs> let's instead <laughs> to to relax me okay take a reflection back on our year that's not that might not relax me um <laughs> So it's almost the end of the year. It is. And uh, something that I like to do, I think most people like to do, is mm -hmm. do a little bit of reflection on the year, sure. personally and uh, culturally, I guess sure. I'll say. And also set some goals, some 
maybe make some predictions for the coming year. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a qualm with this because the the tendency in myself and also I think with other people too is to say, oh, I'll wait till the new year to do that. And they I, I even begin doing that in September is say, uh, I'll wait till the new year to start that new oh, goal or gotcha. like I'll, I'll start working on that thing in my right. life in the new year. You have and to I'll get just, the most out of the last couple months. <laughs> right. So I'm kind of an advocate of just having goals continually uh-huh. in your life. And the, the whole like New Year's resolution thing is not a, maybe not the healthiest in thing in the world. Yeah, it I would def- agree. It definitely works for some people. Right. But for me, having only one time of year where you can change things in your life or set goals for yourself mm-hmm. is a little restrictive for me. Right. That being said, I think it's good to have a time when you actually do reflect on your life sure. and your goals and what you did and what you wanted to do. I don't think I set intentional goals and wrote them down or anything for the last year. And I kind of wish I did. So that's partly what I'm going to be doing in this podcast. Nice. Is, this is for you, future Riley, to listen <laughs> back in uh, December 2021. Yeah. Whoa. We'll re- review this episode together then. <laughs> that sounds so long from now. It does, but it's not. It's really not. It's the year. The year 2021 is like... They, well, just, two days away, three days away? I don't even know what today is. Uh, well, when this podcast comes out, it's... Two days away, right? Four days away. Oh. I think. I'm doing the math right. Anyway. <laughs> We're good at this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so generally, this year has been weird. I don't want to get into like all the details. I think most people know how it's been like mixed up. If you don't, then what have you been doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe congratulations if you don't. Yeah, but that'd be also, great. But also... Might come join you under I might your rock. be a little concerned yeah. <laughs> for you under your rock. Um, but I think one thing that's really unique about this year is that people got to or were forced to take a step back and really reflect on how they were living their lives. And they either got to choose to make a change or were forced to make a change. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people are saying or thinking maybe subconsciously that they're not necessarily stoked about how their life is going or how they're living their life, but they're just kind of on this this path. They're, they fell into the, this job or they just ended up getting into this style of life or whatever, and it's maybe not what they planned on doing or what they want to be doing, but it's what's happening in their life right now. And to, to change things and make a real big move move for their life would be really intimidating. Right. So it's easier to just kind of stay in this direction that they're going rather than make a big scary move that might not necessarily be better. Right. But it would be different. This year, for most people, forced them to make a big change. Right. Not necessarily for the better, but a lot of people made big changes this year, mm-hmm. more than most any other year. So I think that's interesting is Regardless of whether they wanted to reflect and make a big change, mm-hmm. people made big changes this year right. more than probably any other year in totally. the last yeah. 50. Right. Which is interesting because you hear people talk about how they are maybe wanting to get into a new career path or wanting to travel more or wanting to commit to their relationship or get out of their relationship or whatever. 
but not necessarily like doing it. Right, totally. And, and I think sometimes life forcing you to to change or reevaluate or making you get out of the career path or making you move back in with your parents or making you whatever it is can help with that kind of reflection and and change in life. Mm-hmm. And again, this that's not necessarily for the better. Just changing. But just yeah. changing. I actually like change. And I'm always kind of aching for it. I think that I have wanderlust mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily love that about myself. Um, it's something that I sometimes have to combat, you know. Right. At work, I I find myself thinking about what it would be like to do a different job or to go here or move to this city or yeah. do whatever. And I have to remind myself that it's good and healthy to feel that, but you also it's good and healthy to stay committed to something and like right. really learn the thing that you're doing and be committed to the thing that you're doing. Um, but this year change just happened. Yeah. Whether people wanted it to or not. And I think that a lot of those changes were reflected and continue to be reflected in like our society and our culture. And those things mainly happen through the like sphere of politics. And I don't necessarily want to get into that here. There's a whole other podcast in and of the in and of itself right. there. Probably a whole series of podcasts. There are other podcasts that know way more about it than we do yes. and will cover that if you're interested. But the changes that happened on a personal level in response to those political changes and those political changes that continue to happen are unique to this year because they were, for the most part, more dramatic and more impactful than other years. So I think that that's just an interesting thing to reflect on. And I'm I'm curious, I mean, we talk, people are so, I don't know if hateful is the right word, but they're, they're not, people are excited for 2020 to be over. Yeah. And um, it's not going to be like an immediate change in 2021. Right. But I have hope that it'll be a progressive. Yeah. Slowly getting better. Yeah, a progressive uh, change for the better right. in the new year. Um, I hope that future Riley isn't looking back <laughs> on me and saying, oh, you if you had only known. <laughs> um, but I, I am curious in five years or whatever what we look back and really think about 2020. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I was kind of rambling there. Do you have anything to add on like the general consensus? I also feel that that was probably a, a very American-centric perspective. Right. I don't know. I I definitely agree with you. Like, It has caused everyone's lives to change in one way or another. And then some people it's been in major ways like new career paths or moving or, you know, becoming homeless or like there's lots of different ways that people's lives have changed this year. Um and I also agree that I don't think, you know, January 1st is going to be a instant great life switch, which would be awesome. <laughs> like wake up on January 1st and everything's perfect. But um, but yeah, I'm excited to kind of dig into the, what this looks like for us because it's easy to talk about, you know, broad things like 
our society changing and kind of all that stuff and how COVID affected it and how all of the politic things have happened. But that's all boring stuff and other people talk about that. So I'm excited for us to talk about it and to kind of reflect uh, back on our lives and yeah. for us to kind of dig into what this what this looks like for us and for people like us who are listening to the show and to kind of um, dig down into what what we liked about this year, what was helpful for us this year and kind of how to take those things into the next year and yeah. forward. So, Yeah, so I think for me, something that was interesting is I spent most of the year here in Colorado, yeah. which if you don't know, I technically live in D.C. <laughs> technically. Um, but I spent most of the time living here in Colorado and spending a lot of time with my family, uh-huh. which is not what I was planning on doing you know, in January of right. this year, but that was great. I was never planning on living with or spending this time much time with my family probably ever again in my life. Right. You know, I went to college in a different state and would come home for some of the summers, but not all of them. And so I was never planning on spending more than a couple of weeks with them after I graduated. Right. And and moved to DC. Um, so it was weird and something that I kind of feel like I'm still dealing with and acclimating to in some ways. Um, and I don't know where it's going to go in the future, but it was great. And I'm very thankful for that. And I think that that you make a good point that it's important to, Think about the the good things and the, yeah. the things to be reflective or thankful for, and and reflect on those things too, because it is easy to just say "screw you" twenty twenty and right. never look back. Yeah, um, which I feel like is kind of if I don't think about it and kind of rein myself in enough, that's my default. Is like, man, this is kind of a hard year. I'm just gonna block it out from my memory. But yeah. I, then when we had talked about this episode and talked about kind of what we wanted to do and kind of the show structure. And we were, you know, reflecting on it, kind of preparing for this. I was like, oh, a lot of like really great things have happened too. And I've grown in a lot of ways that I wouldn't have if it would have just been a normal year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's easy to kind of miss those just because for a lot of people, the general like mood or state of being was kind of anxiety or stress or fear through yeah. most of the year. And so if you if you have that mindset, if you're or if you had that mindset through the whole year then it's really easy to look back on it and just be like, well, this was a bummer of a year, so yeah. we're just going to block it out. Um, so that's why I'm grateful for this. And I hope if you're listening, I hope you can kind of reflect back as we go through this and reflect back on this year and pull out the positive things too. Because for for the most part, most people probably have had some you know good growth opportunities or some good things happen in this year. Like I really doubt most people have just had a straight up, awful year with no positives <laughs> yeah and if you did i'm I'm sorry yeah we're sorry <laughs> you make a good point that even if it was for the most part bad for you personally or for the world right that still offers opportunity for growth yeah and i think that that's a really mature perspective oh thank you <laughs> yeah. yeah you're welcome um i think that that's something that I'm better at doing in retrospect rather than right. in the moment. Right. Um, so I don't know if this right now is retrospect or in the moment. Um, no one does. Right. But 
I think that having, I think that because this has been a longer, that because the political changes and the pandemic have been a longer experience than we probably thought they were going to be initially, it has given me personally an opportunity to work on that skill of right. making um, or allowing growth to be a uh, a present experience right. rather than a retroactive experience. Right. Because right now, I've had what nine or ten months to work on that rather than some some experiences that are difficult are like a day or a week or right. a couple of weeks. So you're like truly dealing with that thing and you don't really heal and, and you can't really grow until it's over. But this is like happening, but you're also needing to heal yeah. at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's definitely a, a, a unique kind of experience that we're all doing together. Right. Which I'm kind of overhearing, like we're all in this together. Yeah. It makes me think of High School Musical every yep. time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I don't think that like 40-year-olds get that because they're like emailing with their subject line is like, hey, we're all in this together. I'm like, they don't They don't get that. Every time they say that, I hear, we're all in this together. So oh, I hope that in 2021, we don't say we're all in this together yeah. as much. Yeah. Um, not to get ahead of myself and go to the prediction part or the goals <laughs> part, but that's that's one of my goals right. is to hear we're all in this together less, even though I love yes. High School Musical. Yes. I mean, I would agree, both because of the High School Musical thing and like a lot of times we're not necessarily all in this together, mm, you know? Go on. They're just, people have had such broad experiences oh, with you're, the year. You're right. Year. I mean, yeah. some people are barely affected yeah. and other people's whole lives have been shattered. Yeah. And so, so when you say, kind of that, like, say that, we definitely as a society haven't had the same experience. It's not like yeah. in ways it has been a unifying experience for, you know, groups of people or maybe, maybe as a society. But the just the broad variety of ways people have experienced this year, mm-hmm. I think it's unified small groups of people really well. But it's not necessarily like like if you know your whole workplace is like, hey guys, we're all in this together, so we're all going to work overtime this week, or we're all getting our hours cut. You know, it's like, well, that's, oh, this is just crap. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, you're right that just like anything else that happens in our world, the experience and the detriment is unevenly distributed. Yep. So to say everyone is experiencing the same thing because yeah. of a pandemic, or right? Whatever, I mean, that's just it's not true, right? Well, because like for me, like it definitely wasn't that hard of a year, you know, compared to what other people have had. Like oh, yeah. for me, not a ton changed, and there were difficult times, and there were definitely you know stressful seasons. But it was you know maybe a couple weeks at a time, or like yeah, comparatively, right? But then I know other people who have like been basically isolated all year and are kind of you know on the verge like they're having general anxiety now and panic attacks and they've had like just acute psychological stress and that's not my experience at all and so when you kind of simplify it and we're like oh this is a common you know bonding together and getting through an experience like yeah that's that's just not really true you know so yeah that's a good point (sighs) okay okay 
we could, I think, probably go on and on about the last year. Yep. And I think a lot of people, what you're getting at here is that most people will have different perspectives totally. on the year. Um, what I would like to hear, we're not going to do it now, but what I w- want to hear in the coming weeks in my life is someone who this was like the best year of their life. Right. I'm, I'm sure that those people are out there. Totally. Um, and I think that, that, that there's like beauty in that. Right. That there's, that there's the days where it's the worst day in the world for some people and maybe the worst day in the world for you right. is also the best day in the world for someone totally. else. And that that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. It's like the, the world maybe is always balanced right. in some way. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a pretty good year. I'll, you said we're not doing it now, but I'll give you a couple of reasons why for me it was a great year. Okay, yeah. For the first reason is I typically work weekends and I have never really gotten to work from home. But as soon as, you know, stay at home came in, I stopped working weekends and I got to work from home. And yeah, it was amazing. That was pretty cool. And I kind of could, you know, wake up at 10 and then work two hours late. And I'm always kind of a night owl, so I loved kind of shifting my schedule that way. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like so much more productive and rested all the time. So that was great. Um, another reason is I found out I'm having a baby. And so yeah! that's, you know, that's a pretty great reason. The that official, makes my year great. I heard it on a podcast announcement, yeah. I think. So that was another great reason. And so we're kind of going through that this year with Ooh. that in, in mind for the future, which is exciting. Um, and I've also found a lot of unique ways to kind of engage in friendship relationships Mm. um and those were fun and i you know played lots of video games with friends and you know good (laughs) stuff like that but i feel like it's also made me appreciate so much more you know in-person relationships and how much like i love all of my friends and my family and stuff like that and so i'm looking forward to going into this next year with that in mind i feel like it's given me a lot of a healthier and more deep respect and appreciation for like my relationships so Mm. there you go three reasons (laughs) yeah all right yeah man (laughs) that's good all right let's keep that rolling um i want to talk about the new year i want to talk about 2021 i've got some resolutions or goals that i want to implement and i've also got some predictions um which one of those do you want to start with let's do our personal things first okay and then we'll get into predictions cool do you have some resolutions and goals too? Yeah. Okay, we'll alternate. I'll okay. start. I want to make music every day in some way. Okay. So for me, this could be like producing uh, in an intentional way. I want to get better at using uh, a DAW, a digital workspace. Uh-huh. Um, doesn't really matter what that is. I don't want to explain it right now. <laughs> for another podcast. Yeah. Um, or it could just be playing piano for me, or even just whistling. I don't want to like say, okay, I have to practice piano every day yeah. or whatever. But just like incorporating music into my life totally. every day. I did this all the time in in school. I went to at least one rehearsal every day and took piano pretty consistently growing yeah. up. And I've just kind of been missing that since I've been out of school. Right, as like having that consistent creative outlet in my life and like yeah. a more we've we've talked about this I think in the past but there's like a true creative outlet and then there's a more like tangible practical creative outlet right. um but um I want to have a consistent true creative outlet yeah it's cool that you said like that you don't want to get too specific with it because 
everyone probably knows about like smart goals and Mm -hmm. like it's been kind of hammered into productivity culture yeah like this is if you don't have a goal that meets these criteria then your goal is trash right but for most new year's resolutions they are kind of smart goals it's like i want to for this year every day go to the gym and work out that's basically a smart goal you know it's specific it's measurable it's achievable it's time bound and whatever the r is i don't remember what the r is realistic realistic yes so it's all of those things but still people fail after a week and i think I don't think smart goals are the way to do a New Year's resolution because smart goals are really good for things like um, a productivity like sprint. So like if you want to do something, if you have an end goal in mind um, or if you want to do something for a short period of time. But when you're talking about lifestyle changes, if you set such strict regulations on your on your life, yeah, that's when it gets difficult. So saying something like I want to make some sort of music every day and just kind of be more musical well, you don't have necessarily specific steps to take towards it. You're also not tied to a plan. Right. And so then you don't like get down on yourself when you, you know, mess up your plan or whatever. Right. So I love that aspect as a, as opposed to the smart goal, right. you know, so what's if, been hammered into you. So if I do just sing in the shower, yeah. Boom. I, I You're still good. Yeah. met my goal. Yeah. I like that too. Um, okay. So one of mine is that I want to be outside more, especially with this year. Like this year, honestly, I basically lived in my office and you know played video games a lot mm-hmm. i worked from home a lot when i was at work i was in my office editing videos or audio and so i think we went camping once this year i went camping with emily maybe twice and some other friends like twice so five maybe five times for the whole year i went camping and i went on maybe like two hikes and so this year i kind of want to balance that out i want to have my indoor year and then i want to have my outdoor year so that's that's a pretty broad thing, but well, I have three goals that are basically that. I have spend more time enjoying nature, go camping or backpacking more, and uh-huh. ski more. Nice. So we can I can help you with that. We goal. should get started on that. I yes, mean, we could start on that as soon as next week. We want to do <laughs> yeah, that. That's true. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, another one that I have is something that I think is one of my greatest strengths, but also kind of one of my biggest weaknesses is that I love learning new things and researching new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I consider it one of my greatest strengths because I'm really fast at learning new things. I'm really efficient at kind of finding information that I need to. And I'm really good at kind of discerning if information is you know valid or if I should just discard it, um, which has been great. Like I feel like I I'm very knowledgeable in a lot of topics and I feel like it's done me well for my life, but Mm -hmm. it also always has me kind of looking for the next thing. And this is especially true with things like uh, gear or stuff or like tools or hobby activities. Yeah. Um, So I'm always researching new things for the hobbies I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. I'm always buying new things for the hobbies I'm interested in. I'm always kind of looking at what the next upgrade I can make is. And there's a lot of stuff that like I've done a lot of research on it and I've bought it. And then I've like never used it and I'm still yet researching the next upgrade I can make. (laughs) And so my second resolution or goal or whatever we're calling them is to um, use the stuff that I have more and research stuff that I don't have less. Hmm. Even research less. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's hard to like, because I'm such a like improver and I'm never kind of not that I'm not content, but I'm always looking for ways to make things better. Yeah. And so if I have something that works fine, 
but I keep researching it and then I'll see the ways that it is better. I can't necessarily be satisfied because I want to continually improve everything that I'm doing. So I'm like, well, I, I should just get it because it's going to make it better or whatever. So I still want to research it, but I just, there have been times when I'm like, wow, I spent five hours researching like camping stuff. I could have driven to a campsite and like set up a campsite and mm. done camping instead of just reading about tents or whatever, or, you know, computer stuff or music stuff. Like if I'm yeah. researching microphones, I'm like, oh, I could have recorded a song by now, but I'm just researching mics, you know? So, so that's one of my goals is to kind of balance it out because right now I feel like I'm you know, 80% research, 20% doing stuff. And I kind of would like to get to maybe like a 50-50 or maybe even like a 40 research, 60 doing yeah, stuff. that makes so, sense. Yeah. Okay, one of mine is to watch less YouTube. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's the trap. Yeah. The old rabbit hole. YouTube is hard because it can fill any amount of time. Uh -huh. Like if I, it, it's 4.40 right now and if I had something to do at 5, I can find a video that is exactly 16 minutes right. long. And it's like any any amount of time is fine. But if I was watching a TV show, I wouldn't start a, a TV show right now because I right. wouldn't be able to finish it in the next 16 minutes. Uh -huh. But YouTube, I can. Do you ever have the, this is going to go a little bit off topic. Um, do you ever like have, so say you have to be somewhere in 50 minutes and you're watching a series that's like 42 minutes on Netflix. You know, it's mm -hmm. like an hour long show with ads. And so you're watching on Netflix and it's 42 minutes. And you're like, yes. I have just the perfect amount of time to watch one episode, but then you go on to Netflix and you've watched like 20 minutes of an episode and then you stopped. So then you've got 20 minutes left of this episode. And so you can either watch 20 minutes and finish the episode and then have 20 minutes left over, or you can watch the full 40 minutes, but then you're halfway through another episode. Does that ever happen to you? No, because no. I never start an episode okay. unless I know I have time to finish it. That happens to me all the time because a lot of times I'll start it while I'm like going to bed and then I'll fall asleep like late in the evening I'll fall asleep like 20 minutes in hmm. and then I just get thrown off and then it's like that you know I'm halfway through an episode and I'll watch the last half of one episode and the first half of another episode and then I fall asleep and it just kind of cycles like that <laughs> if I were in that situation uh -huh. I would just watch 20 minutes to finish the episode and then watch 20 minutes of YouTube to balance it Smart. out <laughs> ah, but you can't this year because <laughs> well I'm gonna still watch YouTube just yeah. less YouTube is great because it's free and it doesn't have to necessarily be a time waster if you can keep yourself from yeah. going down the rabbit hole, the, you know? The, what I'm going to try to do is I, I have like series and channels that I'm mm -hmm. invested in and I care about their success, but then there's like just those crap rabbit holes that yeah. you don't really care about. That's what I'm going to try to cut back on. So what you have to do is like instead of going to the related videos or your homepage, you just have to go to the channel mm. and watch a playlist or the video. What I should do is just subscribe to those channels and mm -hmm. only go to the subscription yep. page. Yep. There you or go. The activity board or whatever yeah. it's called. There you go. Wow. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My last one is I want to, and this kind of goes with the last one. I want to get more organized. Um, and it's something that has kind of happened since we moved back from Australia. And I feel like my life has just gotten really like two full. years ago. Yeah. I used to be, really organized like growing up and through high school and through my first you know job before I went to Australia and stuff like that I would have you know like just with stuff I would have you know bins with specific stuff that's organized by whatever it is and sometimes it'd have labels on it and I'd have cases for everything and I'd spend days like rearranging to get everything to fit perfectly and look nice and then when I came back I got a job that's pretty demanding and then I have a lot of 
things that I want to do in my free time that aren't necessarily organizing stuff. And so I kind of got to the point where, especially like my office at work, it's just kind of piles of stuff. And it's, mm. it's just really, it's slow to kind of get at things that I need. And it's kind of stressful when everything's cluttered. Um, and so I want to get back to how I used to be. I want to like spend this year, like, especially since I'm not buying a bunch of new stuff, I want to spend this year like maintaining the stuff I have and organizing it and making sure that it's easy to use. Because, for example, so like if I wanted to go and I wanted to, you know, play a guitar part and record a guitar part, I'd have to like first think like, is my guitar here or at work? And is my pedal board here or at work? And where is my amp? And I have to kind of figure out where all my stuff is because I don't necessarily have systems mm-hmm. of where I keep it. And then I have to go and get it and I have to get it all out and I have to set it up and I have to plug it all in and then I am tired and I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) So I, part of, it's kind of part two of my other goals. I want my stuff to always be ready for use. I don't have to think about it too much. I just want to be able to grab it, get it ready and do whatever I want to do. Spend more time focusing on the point of the tools and not the tools themselves, I think. So that's a good one for like lifestyle change as well. Yeah, totally. Okay, I have three more and I'll do them real quick. Okay. I want to stretch more, specifically nice. stretching in the morning. Yeah. I hate you know stretching, it's bad when but... you like your knee goes to like a 45 degree angle cuz you're sitting in a desk chair all day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I do not like the feeling of stretching. No. Specifically like that feeling in your legs when uh-huh. you try to touch your toes. Oh I, gosh, yeah. me too. I don't know why. I think it's like a guy thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, girls like to stretch. I think guys don't like to stretch. Maybe I'm generalizing. I'm definitely generalizing. I think if you stretched enough, you'd start to like it. But I think if you don't stretch regularly, mm-hmm. you hate stretching. Yeah. Um, I want to reupholster some more things. So okay. this year I reupholstered uh, two sets of chairs. So probably... 18 or 20 chairs total and I enjoyed it. Nice. I decided that my like f- fallback or second career is going uh-huh. to be as a upholsterer. Re- upholsterer. Um but my secondary goal is to consider what my other trade would be if I decide I want to do a trade rather uh-huh. than some office job. Right. And then would you ever I'm I'm picturing when you said reupholstery, the first thing that came to mind is like redoing like car seats. And I'm mm. picturing you taking like for example, your old uh CRV is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. From like ninety eight and like pimping the seats out with like leather and like <laughs> embroidery and stitching and stuff like that. Would you ever do something like that? Maybe. Car seats sound complicated because you can't like take maybe you can. You can. You, you can, can take, take them out. Okay. They're just kind of a pain to move around. Yeah. That sounds more in depth. Right. I think I would need to work my way up to car seats. Well, maybe we'll get there this year. (laughs) The only thing I've done is dining room chairs where you just take the cushion off Uh and you just unscrew it from the wooden base part of the chair. And those are pretty easy. Right. I would need to work my way up from like dining chair to love seat to full couch Uh to whatever's next to car seat okay well maybe we'll get there this year and we yeah. can pimp out one of our cars <laughs> but eventually i'll need to reupholster someone else's stuff right because i don't have that much right. furniture it's like upholstering like tables <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make everything covered in fabric okay my last one is i want to really consider what my favorite color is oh so for the longest time my favorite color has been orange and like everyone knows that 
But my only problem with orange is that it's not a good color for your like things in your life to be. You know, like you wouldn't want to paint the walls of your home orange right. or wear a lot of orange clothing. At least I I don't look good in orange. Um, so it's a good like color to like, but it's not a good color for a favorite color. a favorite color to have as like your things in your life. So I might hmm. I might spend some time reconsidering what my like actual favorite color is and like what the definition of favorite is. Yeah, that's hard because for me, my favorite color is not the color that I like on most things. Yeah, because my definition of a favorite color would be like when you see it, it like gives you an emotional reaction. <laughs> so like my favorite color for stuff, and this is not my favorite color; it's just the the color that I like on things. It's like a lot of neutral colors, so like. Neutral green, neutral gray, like black, white, kind of muted colors like mm-hmm. that. But the color that gives me like the biggest emotional reaction, like I see it, I'm just like, uh, in the stomach, <laughs> is that like cyan color from tattoos. Like this, I'll show you. Oh, yeah. But if you picture just like a really vivid, bright cyan in a tattoo, that's like my favorite color, at least for right now. And so I'm always, you know, thinking of new tattoos to get. And I'm like, ah, whatever they are, I want them to be cyan. Well, it depends on your skin. We won't get into it now. But (laughs) on my skin type, it would stay for a lot longer than on most people. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're going to go with some predictions. I don't know that these things will, like, happen and be finished by the end of 2021, like one year from now. But I think that these things, for me, will continue to progress. Okay. And let's do them rapid fire. Okay. Self-driving cars will continue to be more accepted yep. and the legislation will continue to progress there. Yep. You agree? Yes. Okay. Families will live together more than they have in the last 30 years. People are moving back in with their parents. Grandparents are moving in with other people. That's how the world, that's how humans used to live for, for most of thousands society. thousands of years, yeah. And it broke apart, at least yep. in Western culture, yep. in the last like 50 years. Yeah. And it's kind of coming back together mostly because of like loss of jobs yep. and whatever. <laughs> but I think that's maybe going to continue. I would agree. People be poor now, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not the end of the world. No, you know? it's great. You it's kind of nice. Family. Your families are awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that the, sh- the sharing of art and creative outlets will be less dependent on traditional mediums of promotion and more dependent on the personal promotion and your the yep. ability to self-market. That's probably not a revelation. Right. Or it even will a just prediction. continue to grow more. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that the outdoor revolution is what I'm calling it, will continue. And as events events return, athletic and outdoor related activities will be even bigger than they were five years ago. I would agree. That was actually one of mine too. Okay. Great. Yeah. Agreement. What are the ones you have? <laughs> okay. Um, my first one is that uh, in the first half of the year, there will be a lot more kind of underground, if you will, clubs, restaurants, bars, both because they're cool, like it's cool, like having speakeasy stuff, mm-hmm. but also because it's, they're going to be breaking the law by having people there. And so I anticipate the first half of this year to have a lot of illegal social activities like that. Wow. Um, okay. Then in the second half of the year, kind of a two-parter, I anticipate restaurants and um, bars and theaters to kind of have this huge surge as people are allowed to go back out. And I anticipate, you know, everyone loving to go out to eat. And it's not just going to be something to do because you're hungry, but it's going to be like an event again, 
like going out with your friends to a restaurant. Like when people used to like put on their suit and a nice dress. To, Honestly, yeah. To like how to eat or cause, go to a movie. Yeah, because for a while they're like, we would go out with, you know, our friend group, Emily and I would, um, to like a bar or a restaurant and it would just kind of be like, we'd do it, you know, once a week or like super often. It kind of wasn't a special just thing. Just to fill the time. Yeah, just because it's something to do. There's not a lot uh-huh. else to do. And so we'd go and, but now like, when we go out to the bar for the first time after lockdown or whatever, I'm going to like get dressed up. It's going to be fancy. I'm going to look forward to it all week. Like it's just going to be yeah. a big thing. So that's my prediction for the okay. second half of the year. Yeah. Um, I also predict a lot of people um, to start becoming software developers or other lucrative, high paying work from home jobs. I know okay. of a lot of people who started, you know, a boot camp or a college course on it during the pandemic. And so I think a lot of that's going to kind of come to fruition this year. Do you think there's enough demand for that? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. There's most people think about it in like the big, you know, 10 companies like Apple and Google and stuff like that. But there are tons like software developing is like for the next 10 years is going to be more demand than supply in most estimates. So I bet there will be a lot of people this year kind of starting new jobs or finishing degrees in this or deciding to switch careers so that's my prediction for this year and it's already been happening so i kind of am cheating by it being something that's happening but whatever um i also think there are going to be a lot of amazing parties and events and festivals that are thrown once the lockdown is over um i picture lots of kind of like hey we're all back together again concerts and uh i don't even know just events in general happening bigger at the end of this year um, that, that I give that like a 60% chance of happening. <laughs> yeah. That one's tough to predict Yeah, because it also might just be a very slow progression. Right. Yeah. Depending on how, whatever happens. So I'll go 60% on that one. I hope that's what I hope in my heart happens. And my last prediction is that Apple's going to release a new iPhone. <laughs> Isn't that kind of a guarantee? Yep. Okay. So I'm right already. <laughs> <laughs> It is fun to imagine that there is just there would just be one day where someone says, "Okay, it's all safe. Everyone go out and party yeah. now." But Man, we all know that that's hardcore. not how it's going to happen. No, unfortunately. But it is fun to like daydream about. Can you imagine if like, there was just like one day? It would a, become a national holiday. Yeah, in America, like most people aren't really locked down anymore, and so it wouldn't be as cool here. Depends on where you live, right? But. I picture places like, oh, where did I see that was Japan is shutting their borders down again, uh-huh, like yeah. completely because of the new strain that's going around. And so I picture places like there where people like have been strictly locked down for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden it's just lifted. Like how crazy would that evening be? Like how many parties and just like, oh, it'd be so fun. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'll hold out hope for that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was rapid fire. You that should go back fire. and listen. To yeah. all of our incredible predictions that are all basically things that are already happening. Yeah, we're good at this. <laughs> at least we're hedging yeah, our bets well. Yeah. <laughs> we're like soothsayers. Yes. Okay. Thank you for listening to I Heard It on a Podcast. We've got new episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays that you can find uh, everywhere on the internet. Yep, except for YouTube. Uh, yep, except for YouTube. Um, if you like what you hear and know someone else who is... Uh, excited about the end of the year or looking forward to the next year so everyone yeah send this episode to them and have a conversation about your goals and their goals and become better friends with them yeah Um, as always you can reach us at iheardonapodcast at gmail.com I'm hungry (laughs) I 
eating dinner already. It's like, I'm so conditioned to getting food after we record. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's still so early. But we talked like, about that prime rib for like 20 uh-huh. minutes. <laughs>